Welcome to Just Life, where we share our life experiences and lessons to make your life easier. We are on a mission to become the best versions of ourselves, and if you're trying to do the same, you're in the right place. Let's talk about life. Welcome back to Just Life. This is Cicely Porter, and I'm going to apologize right away because I have been sick, but that's just life. We get sick, and that's not going to stop me from doing this podcast because we have two very special guests today. Do you guys want to introduce yourself? We'll start with Trey. Uh, how you know me, and just tell us about yourself. Uh, my name is Travell Butler Hodges, but I know I go as Travell Butler, and I know Cicely from the summer program I did this year working at the city of Gary. And some things about me, well, I graduated this year from Westside Leadership Academy, and I'm just a cool, chill dude that's working and trying to move out the crib and trying to stack my bread. That's basically it about me. And what's your favorite show? Uh, Stranger Things on Netflix. Season 5 come out in 2024. Uh, I have a fun fact for you real quick. So I just learned this at work on Friday. So you know the last episode... Um, where they're at Hawkins and it's like on fire and the news shows up. Mm-hmm. The news I work for, WSBT, is the news station that's there. For real? Yeah. Oh, that's that's, that's, that's cool? dope. All right. All right, Trent, um, introduce yourself. All right. Uh, my name is Trent Turner. Um, I met Cicely at the same program that I met Travell at. Uh, I actually work for the city of Gary at City Hall. So um, when I first was when the internship first started my supervisor was like hey here's my uh, intern but you're going to tell her everything and teach her everything that we do here (laughs) so she's just going to follow you around and i was like oh okay that's fine um and then i saw travail and i basically stole him every day from work and uh yeah i don't know who's going to hear this but oops (laughs) (laughs) and uh, trent was actually my boss it's kind of funny it is kind of funny. Well, I, I first of all, how old are y'all? Like, I'm 19. I'm 28. Okay, so I'm the old one here. <laughs> <laughs> you said you wanted to talk about your high school experience to mm-hmm. me. Um, how about you tell us a little bit about your experience in your childhood growing up? Well, when I first, cause at first I wasn't supposed to go to Westside. I was supposed to go to Calumet or Morton, but since I live close to Westside, I just went there. So freshman year. It was horrible. Uh, West Side is at it's in Gary, Indiana. It's been it's been open since like 1973, so it's it's a real old school, and the school is just real. Old. But the school has money; we just don't want to. It don't want to repair like the damage inside the school. I think you should also tell them the fact that like you wanted to go to Morton, but you live literally like 10 feet away from West Side. Yeah, I could just literally walk to West Side. I no, no, live no, that no, no. You can walk anywhere. Like, wow. you can jump to West Side from your house. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, like, Morton isn't even that far from West Side either. Mm-hmm. Morton is like five minutes away or yeah. something like that, maybe? I live right by Morton. So. Okay. So, and man. Morton High School is in Hammond, Indiana, mm-hmm. which isn't too far from Gary. It's right next to Gary, too. But freshman year, it was horrible. They didn't really teach us nothing, to be honest. So they really passed everybody. Teachers like was missing school i had one teacher a science teacher that wasn't even there like the whole school year she came back like march like mid-march so we had to sub mm-hmm. the whole year she just gave us work and sat down really didn't do nothing they ain't had no camera so people used to walk out to school come into school whenever they want to sophomore year new principal same old thing no the cameras didn't work 
people skip and teachers didn't really give us nothing, to be honest. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm tripping. That's when uh, COVID started in my sophomore year, so they was on virtual. They put us on virtual, and when we got on virtual, they didn't really give us no work until my junior year, but my sophomore year, we didn't really do nothing. They was like, once COVID first started, they was like, we gonna be back in the school after a week, but after that, we were doing daylight, just stay on virtual. Junior year became, I'm not gonna lie, me personally, I never told nobody this, but like the first th two or three months, I ain't really do work, cause they wasn't really giving us work, but they was, so I ain't really do it, until my mom was like, you gotta get the work done, stuff like that, so I did it. They didn't really give us work. Senior year, now senior year is interesting because it's my senior year, new kids, new faces, new security, security, everything, new teachers. And a new principal, her name is Miss Harrod. She came from elementary school, so she treated us like we was kids. They had, okay, after like the first week, we had like 20 fights the first week of school. So after that, they bought more security, new security guards. We couldn't even, our passing period was like two minutes. Barely let us eat. We had to eat in the cafeteria. We couldn't like roam around during lunchtime, none of that. Hold on, I got a lot of questions. I got a yeah, lot of questions, questions too, too, man. Hey. <laughs> First, first one, you, you talk about um, like how they didn't teach you anything. So right before we started, um, Trevor accidentally knocked over a uh, flag that we have here in the, in the studio. <laughs> and then I, I made the comment and I called him a Benedict Arnold. And he's like, who's that? And I, I don't know who that is. He was one of the first traitors in American history. Pretty much, he was a hero for the Americans in the Revolutionary War. And then he traded sides and decided to fight for the British in the Revolutionary War. He was the first person to commit treason in American history, pretty well, much. They didn't teach us that, so. <laughs> 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 they just gave us work and just sat down, like, do the work, hurry up before so, school ends. So what kind of work was given to you? Uh, vocabulary words. We had to, it was in the book sometimes, but mainly we were just on Play-Doh on the computer. So we just doing Play-Doh work all day. We really didn't like getting descript uh, descriptive of like what's going on in the world and stuff like that. Well, I, I just want to ask, how did this affect you now? How does this affect the way you move in the world now and the way you go about like jobs or different experiences like that? Uh, not really much, to be honest. Because I had jobs, privileged jobs, and it, it really didn't help me, to be honest. So it didn't help you, or did it not affect you? I mean, yeah, it, did, didn't, like, it, it didn't affect me. That's what I'm saying. Do you think that your high school could have did more to help you oh, yeah. now that you're, like, in the more real world? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, most definitely, yeah. And I, I just want to ask, what is it about Westside in general that you think is the problem there with, like, the curriculum, the teachers, anyone there? anything there it's the students, the students you think it's the students yeah it's, the students don't want to learn at all i don't think it's the students. It, it i think it's a combination of things honestly because i okay i went to east chicago central which is a school kind of similar to west side in a lot of ways mm -hmm. west side might be a little worse though from <laughs> what i'm hearing <laughs> and a big thing was having administration that cares is a big part of what makes a school work so what you're talking about like cameras not working not want to repair the schools that sounds like a problem with the school board and with the administration not wanting to 
put resources into kids or they might not have resources to put into kids in general. Mm-hmm. That's what it sounds like to me. Cause my, like my school system didn't have much, but the principals we had or the superintendent, it was a big focus on getting kids to graduate, getting kids to pass and kicking kids out of school. If they weren't willing to try to even do those things, that was a very big emphasis in my school system. Well, West, I didn't do that. <laughs> but the thing is West, I have money though. So it really didn't really matter. They okay, wait, Lou, how old are you? I'm 22. Okay, and since you just turned 21, 21. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I automatically see, like, a big disconnect between the way my education was already, you know, seven years ahead of Lou, eight years ahead of you, nine years ahead of you. Like, I see a big disconnect in a lot of things already. Um, I don't know if the dynamic of the way that students are has changed or like maybe, well, me personally, I say it's the parents. I, I taught for a year. Um, I know exactly what was going on with the parents not being as involved in their own children's lives to kind of further uh, implement what we were trying to teach to them. But when Travell said he thought it was the students, I think it's the adults at, across the board, whether it's, you know, staff, teachers, parents, guardians, coaches. I think it's the adults who are at fault. And even outside of like the realm of school, you know, politicians, um, just things like voters, you know, taxpayers and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. I think we're not showing an emphasis on the proper way to educate these kids throughout each, I say half generation. Because like I said, I'm only seven years older than the next person, but It's not a full generation, but there are things that are entirely different now. When I graduated in 2012, you could not walk the hallways with your cell phone out. You couldn't walk the hallways with headphones on. You couldn't walk the hallways with a hat on. You couldn't walk the hallways with do-rags on. I go see these kids now at Miraville High School where I graduated from. Cell phones. They're on TikToks. They're making TikToks with our principal. They're, you know, hats on, do-rags on at the football games and stuff like that. And it's like... If I wore a do-rag at a football game on a Friday night, I was getting a three-day suspension by Monday. No, mm-hmm. no doubt about it. But mm-hmm. now it's like the culture has kind of shifted and changed, and there are a lot of things that are acceptable for the kids to do, and I think we have to change everything if we're going to change some things. you got to change the way you're going to approach these kids and teach these kids. You're going to change the way that you're going to try to reach these kids. Uh, my wife taught three four years and she literally made tiktoks and instagram so that the kids could feel just a little bit more connected with her outside of the school and of course she would just pro she would uh post you know children appropriate things on on those platforms but it's like oh my god did you guys see what miss essence posted yesterday on on tiktok did you guys see what they did yesterday on instagram it's like you know the kids feel a little bit more invested and they, they're willing to learn from someone who looks just a little bit more and does a little bit more just like they did the mm-hmm. day before. And I think that's really, really important. I agree. Mm-hmm. I think the teachers are there and they need to inspire the students to want to put forth effort. And I think it starts from the teachers and it's like a domino effect and it goes to the students mm-hmm. and like coaches too. Same thing. Like your team's not going to be good unless you have a good coach. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I think uh, you mentioned like, parents in that too and I think a part of what you're talking about is the way parents will put a phone or a tablet in front of a kid and 
that's kind of affected the way that kids' attention spans are now. So if your teacher don't make a TikTok, if they not connecting with you online, it's like they not connecting with you at all. Because right. that's the only way you know how to connect with people is through that online space now. Like, right. e- I even see the disconnect from kids that are like two or three years younger than me. Because social media got big when I was like 13, 14, and it didn't really take over for real, I feel like, until I got into college and then it really blew up. And I think that definitely affected the way kids interacted with teachers in general, just because there's a massive disconnect between like, say, okay, say like a history class. You can go on TikTok right now and find a bunch of stuff on history on TikTok and they'll summarize it in 30 seconds. Right. You don't got to go read your history book now or you can Google it. Especially since the history books are probably not going to tell the the 100% truth that this person on TikTok is going to tell you. So, you know, you learn these things about Georgia Washington having wooden teeth and then someone on TikTok tells you that the wooden teeth actually came from the slaves that he owned and it's like oh these are different these are different types of things that were used for these teeth and I I think uh, that is very important Mm -hmm. because it's like you know you me when they first tell you about George Washington's second or third grade year oh first president you know great president great guy you know did everything for this American Revolution and it's like, oh, yeah, they kind of whitewashed a lot of the stuff that he was really, really doing with his slaves. And then, you you know, you turn 26 and it's like, yeah, those wooden teeth that you heard about on, on Fairly Odd Parents and all of that, slave teeth that, you know, was put into his mouth. And it's like, oh, that's that's, that's really different. It um, is different. That That, like, exposure to media gives kids a different experience with not just history, but with math, with English with every subject, and it opens your horizons more to the limitations that the education system gives you. And I think the biggest problem is that disconnect is there because the education system is so rigid now compared to what we know now outside of that. It's so easy to find information now that why would you want to go to school and like Mm -hmm. read a book with your English teacher? You can find a summary for that book online right now, know what that book is about, know what the meaning of the book was instantly. It's like that. And the, I think the problem with schools like Westside or even like my high school is that they didn't try to adapt to the online way of doing things. They just kept trying to do the old-fashioned way. Right. But to connect to kids, you have to find a way to connect with them in the way that they are brought up. You can't just connect with them in the way you were brought up because right. then they're just going to miss that. And okay. I want to add to that. I think that's one of the major problems is that we are so reluctant to change. Like mm-hmm. we need to start doing more computer stuff, more online, because the kids are getting these textbooks that are 20 years old. Like, it's a different world now. Mm -hmm. And we've been having the same education curriculum for 60 plus years. We have like the math class, the English class, the history class. I think it might be longer than 60 years, actually. So I got a question. Like, did your history books have 9-11 in it? Or did your history books not have that no, portion like covered yet? It was like a regular history book. But we never had history books. We had like reading books where we can like write in it. But so that's that's always been like the interesting thing to me. You know, each generation has like that moment where it's like, oh, I lived through that, but my kids have to learn it in history. Um, that's mine. You know, I was born in 1994. I can remember very vividly being, shut up. (laughs) So I can remember very vividly being in second grade, and it's like, oh, you know, we were at school, but we kind of go home at like 12 because 
no one knows how to react. None of the adults really know how to react because it's like our nation is under attack according to, you know, everything that they've been told right there in the real time. And it's like, okay, we're going to send the kids back home. And, you know, adults have a lot of stuff to figure out right now. And it's like, did they, like, how did they teach that to to you guys? Because obviously I didn't have to be taught that. I went through it. So, like, like what was the what was the I guess I I just threw like a whole left turn, but like what was the history lesson on nine eleven? Really, there wasn't one when yeah. like when like American history or yeah, like, classes like, that, like that. That would that would show up in American history, correct? It's in the book, but from my experience in the actual curriculum of the teacher, it never really showed up. You never get to that point in the book. You talk about everything from you talk about everything from like Jamestown to about early nineteen hundreds, like Great Depression. Mostly in like really? American history. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. You never okay, get so anywhere past like World War One, really. So you guys don't talk about World War Two, Korean War. We'll, we'll uh, touch on it for like one day. Yeah, it's not a big thing. A big thing. You go through a lot of like Revolutionary War. You go through a, a whole bunch of Civil War specifically, yeah. and then you might talk about like the War of eighteen twelve. You might talk about like um. You might talk about World War One and the beginnings of it, but. World War One even got skipped over a bit because they really want to talk about about like the Great Depression. And in in the beginning, I remember specifically spending a lot of time on Jamestown, like Christopher Columbus, um, the Thirteen Colonies. Those are really big topics in U.S. history, specifically. You never get to the modern stuff. Yeah. That stuff gets lost. Okay, how many how many like how many different history classes did you all have? Like when I say like mm-hmm. I had like. U.S. History 1, U.S. History 2, U.S. History 3, U.S. History mm-hmm. 4. I had, like, uh, I had a history class specifically about wars. Like, that was it. Like, mm-hmm. the entire semester, the trimester at Merrillville, all we did was talk about the different wars that have happened across the entire world. Mm-hmm. So, like, th- is that is that standard across the board? I had a war. Okay, world history for a year and U.S. history for a year. That's it. And then I have... I mean, senior year, it's like government and mm-hmm. what's the other one? Economics. Economics yeah. And that's it. And maybe your freshman, my freshman year of high school, I did like a geography class. It wasn't even like a history class. They just teach you a lot about the states and like the world. They teach you about townships, counties, et cetera. Travel, what's the capital of North Dakota? <laughs> Don't ask me because I ain't really pay attention to history class. So that's like one of the classes I skipped because I had that like 8 o'clock in the morning. Sicily, what's the capital of North Dakota? North Dakota. That's one that's weird because, like, the Dakotas. I could tell you about any other one, though. Okay, okay. <laughs> Lou, what's the capital of North Dakota? I can't tell you. I'm not going to lie. I really cannot remember North Dakota. Man, yeah, that, you got me. I don't All got right. that. What's, what's the capital of Montana? I know this one. Trey? Don't look at me. All right, all right, Lou. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Uh, Helena. Yeah, Helena. And then it's, it's Bismarck, North Dakota. Oh, my God. Yeah, you go get me with those. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Like, by the fifth grade, I had to know those, like, the back of my hand. Like, that was, like, the pretest was, like, how many did you know? Luckily, I knew I had, my, my grandmother was really a stickler on states uh, coming from Gary. Mm-hmm. If you know, if you're from Gary, Indiana, then you know all the states. I mean, all the streets on the uh East side are named after the states, so it's like you gotta know your states. And my grandmother was like, "Well, if you know these states, you need to know your capitals too." So, by the end of fifth grade, you had to know all fifty states, all fifty capitals in order to pass. So, mm. I'm starting to think it's y'all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think there's a 
I mean, you're not even that much older than us, but there's just a generational right. difference. There's a right. massive difference. Right. I'm I'm really starting to uh, appreciate my education more and more with every passing second because it's like, <laughs> oh, I know this, I know that, I know this. Um, I will say I definitely did like school. Like that was always like when people would ask, like, do you like school? And you know, you expect the kids say, oh no, I don't like school. You know, I'm, I, I liked school. I like learning. I like learning to this day. I'm a, I'm a huge researcher on anything that I, I come across because I just genuinely don't like to not know. So I do like learning, especially history and math and stuff like that. So I'm chock full of like history facts. So mm-hmm. it's just really astonishing to hear like some of these Cause I make fun of my wife a lot about like not knowing a lot of historical facts. I was like, "You don't know that?" And she's like, "No, Westside didn't teach us that." And it's like, "Is it Westside that's not teaching? Is it is it EC that's not teaching?" No, Westside is not a bad school. Like, no, no, no. You that's not that's no, not that's Eastside. not what you <laughs> said. <laughs> I'm I'm, a, I'm I'm proud to be a cougar. Of course you are. But Westside's not a bad school. It's just like her, what y'all don't like, know is he bought his diploma. <laughs> <laughs> show I, it. Show uh, it. He bought his diploma for some reason today. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't grab it. But Westside's not a bad school. Everybody, oh, Westside's bad school. We, yeah, they fight a lot. But actually, Westside's a B plus school. Actually, by what, by what parameter? And this is this is a serious question. I'm pretty sure you don't know what that answer no, would but, be from. But like, educationally, yeah. overall, overall, athletically, because yeah. like, I've been in and out of Westside. You know, I've I never went to Westside, never spent a day in Westside as a high school student, but I've been there, I've worked there after graduating and stuff like that. And I see a lot of things in that school that are like this is a this is a, a privacy violation, it's a health violation, it's a morals violation. Like you shouldn't be able to use a restroom and not have a door. But that's the thing, Westside has money. They just now they just fixed the football field. Yeah, that it was, was a working big problem. on the track field. But they had a protest because giving good food and stuff like that so they had a whole protest and that's uh, michelle obama's fault <laughs> they had a, the uh the t- uh the parents was getting mad because it was no st- uh, uh doors on the stall and stuff like that the that's water valid. fountains wasn't working they had a whole bunch of leaks from the uh like basically so you said this is a good school or it is it's a, a b plus school. this is a b plus school, school we talking about it it's not and then they had like y'all know the towels from the roof. Like, yeah. It was, a, it was giant holes and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. I so, just so like what makes the school good to you? Because when you when you first started talking, you there was a lot of bad that you were talking about. The school. The school. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the school is bad. The administrators. The school is bad. It's not bad. It's like it's fifty fifty. What's somewhere. the good? What's the good about the school? This is like when somebody's in an abusive relationship and you right. ask them about it. And it's like, I mean, it ain't that bad. And then they partner hit them again. You know, like, that's exactly what this sounds like. They got the diploma right next to them. It's like, you better talk good about it. <laughs> the school is bad, but it's good. Like, the, the sports team is good. Okay. The dance, the... Extracurricular activities. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I've always that way because you have an emotional attachment to it, though. Like, imagine you didn't go to that school and you're like looking at other high schools. I mean, yeah. I can objectively admit my school is not the best. You know, East C is it's okay. East Central. Yeah, East Chicago Central is okay. It's not <laughs> the worst, but hey, we don't got holes in our roofs. Our water fountains work. <laughs> we got stalls in our bathroom doors. Okay, but. We do have problems. We had problems with a bunch of fights. We had problems with a lot of kids just not coming to school or just dropping out. We had problems with, like, drugs going in and out of school. Like, these were problems. Like, And these aren't, like, normal problems. You go to another school, that's not an issue there. 
So that's how I knew it wasn't normal. Because when I talk to people who went to other high schools, and I have all kinds of crazy stories, they're just like, that never happened at my school. And that's how I know, like, how to test, like, oh, my school wasn't that great then. Okay. Now, like, this year now, I heard a lot of people is going on virtual because they don't want to be in that school. Like, a couple of my friends, like, yeah, I told the administrator I want to be on virtual because I don't like how they treat us in the school. Like, like what? Cicely, did you have these problems at your high school? Um, we had problems. We didn't have a lot of fights. There'd probably be like two fights a year. I um, like that. What school did you go to? I went to Rensselaer. Good job. Nice and safe. It's a small school. Um, it's in the middle of like country Indiana. So there was definitely some setbacks like education wise. We didn't have a lot of classes offered that bigger schools offered, but for the most part, it was safe. I feel so bad for you guys. Like I Whoa. went to a big public school in Maryville, Indiana. Go Bucks, go Pirates. And I like there were fights. And I just thought that was a part of, you know, a lot of kids being in one building for eight hours. Like mm -hmm. you got like three thousand kids in a building. Question. Yes sir. Did you have a right? Did y'all have right? I was gonna say we I had, had a right in high fights. school. Yeah. We we used to have food fights. Like that was a big mm. thing. When I was a senior, um there there was like this time period for like a week or two where we had like this bad electrical problem where the lights would go out and then like the power would go out in the entire building. It happened for like two weeks and it would it would happen at the same time every day. And we start figuring out like what time that would be around like the third or fourth day. And it was when it was when we were at lunch. And when those lights went out, you opened up your 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 little jug of milk, you get your stuff ready, you just toss it in the air as soon as those lights go off. There's no way no one is gonna catch you. And when those lights came back on after like six or seven seconds, there was a fight going on almost in always. And then you just see people like white t shirts and brown splattered all over them <laughs> and like girls with their with the milk all in their hair and it's like that's a tough sight. To add on that, that is that's nothing That's an everyday with, thing at Westside. With us, my freshman year, like my freshman year, like I think like the second week of school, we had a like we have a like a trophy case, right? Full glass, a riot start. One of my security guards put a uh, a student through there. Like he threw him in there. Oh my god. Yes, like and then they tipped over the vending machine. That like, it was horrible. We had like riots. My freshman year we had like I put like fifteen riots. Oh, Can man. we at least precurse this part by saying Westside does have an issue where all of the public schools in Gary were shut down, which sent all kids from different areas of Gary to one public school, yeah, we, which yeah, which was a lot of different gangs and a lot of different hoods and areas and stuff, all in one melting pot school. So that was bound to happen, and I don't believe there was anything that Westside personally, especially with the limits on maybe the security that they do have, could have done to prevent those type of things. Uh, like I said, with Maryville, if you got 2,000 kids for eight hours, you're bound to get a yeah. fight a day. But if you got, you know, <laughs> a, a fifteen hundred kids across the entire map of Gary, all squeezing into one place, after, you know, this kid might have been at Lou Wallace one year, and that kid might have been at Roosevelt the other year, and this kid was in, you know, um, uh, Emerson one year. Now they're all at Westside. Yeah. It's like you're kind of asking for these fights and these rights to go down because there's a lot of people who don't like each other in, in one building. Yeah, because when did Roosevelt close? Like 2019? 2019. I think yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah 2019. My little brother graduated. I think he was the last class to graduate in 2019. Because they told me, like, once Emerson, when they closed, they were, like, a whole bunch of kids from the come to Westside and stuff like that. I'm like, for real? Next thing you know, a lot of new kids from Roosevelt, 
Morton, Calumet, Emerson, all them different with Bowman came to Westside. That's a lot of different kids in one in one school, and I think I really think that was bound to happen. I don't think there was anything that could have been done that would have stopped that. So unfortunate, but I just think that was really bound to happen. How do you think growing up in Gary affected you, opposed to if you grew up somewhere else? I'm gonna I'm gonna tell y'all. I ain't, I never told nobody this, but I'm in foster care. I ain't never told nobody this. This is the first time here. Oh, yeah, I'm in foster care. I've been in foster care all my life. My mother died when she was three years old. She died when I was three years old. I ain't never told nobody this. It's only like uh, two other people that know I'm in foster care. Y'all know. So growing up in Gary, because I, I, I was born in Saginaw, Michigan. Mm-hmm. So they moved me to Gary with my grandpa, and things happened. They were abusing us, so they moved us to this false home in Maryville. That's why I went to Maryville School. Should have stayed there. Growing up, it was cool, but uh, I went. I, w- I was in. Uh, I went to Maryville my f- until fourth grade, but mm-hmm. after a while, they told me I had to leave. So that's when they moved me to Gary, and I, I I've been with the lady since I was like ten years old. I'm nineteen. I've been there for nine years. But growing up in Gary, it was cool. First Gary school I went to was, if y'all know, Beverage. Yeah. Yeah. I know Beverage. School. I don't know. Lou, do you know Beverage? No, I don't know Beverage. Okay. It's like, it's like, it's another Brunswick. You know mm. Brunswick? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That school, they used to paddle us. That's when paddling was back then. Yeah, they used to paddle Sisley, us. Sisley, did you ever get paddled in school? No. Shout out to safety. <laughs> I never got paddled in school. Good. Shout out yeah. to safety. <laughs> <laughs> I got paddled like twice. So going back to your experience of high school and school growing up, um, did you feel safe at school? Yeah, I felt, I felt safe. But like my freshman sophomore year, I didn't feel safe. But like my senior year, yeah, I felt safe. So, so do you think the principal coming in changed that for you? Yes. Yes. yes Cause she ain't really. It wasn't like my senior. It wasn't a lot of really a lot of fights to be honest. We had fights from occasionally for like the maximum fights we had senior my senior was like twenty. But nah, they ain't really let us fight. So they really didn't matter. Was so there's a huge problem with guns coming into schools in America. Did you guys have any no, of those issues? No, no. West Side did not play that, no. <laughs> did you guys have? Okay, I'll, I'll say this. I, guns in schools was not a thing. That was for the streets, if I'm being real. That stuff stayed outside of the school. Like, all that stuff with guns. Usually, if you came to school, you was going to fight the person you had beef with. Mm-hmm. All that gun stuff, that stuff was going to be handled outside of the school, for sure. Like yeah, They I, never brought I bring that, school. that up. Both of your schools are portrayed to be more, like, uh, unsafe. And, and violent. Violent. Like my, I had a gun scare at my school. Well, we did. Okay, my school did get threatened to get shot up, actually. Like, okay, my junior <laughs> year, I think. Well, okay, let, let, me, let me explain. So, there was, like, this threat to, like, a bunch of different schools. It was us, it was Hammond High, it was Morton. They all got threatened to get shot up at the same time. The only difference was our school was the one that took it seriously. So I was in the same class for, like, three or four hours because they were threatening to shoot up our school and cause ruckus. It was, was, it, was it a student or, like, an angry, like, like what was that situation? It was, like, a student. And it was crazy because they threatened more than one high school. They and threatened they said a they were going to do it at the same time because that's... Yeah, that was the part that kind of. Yeah, it was it was crazy, and I'm just thinking like, what? I'm like, bro, they they definitely not shooting up our school. First of all, we got like armed police in our school and stuff like that. Like, they not go shoot up our school. Like that's what I'm thinking. But you you never really know, so you do gotta be careful. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
to be honest, my school wasn't that safe, though, if I'm being real. There was a lot of different things going on in my school, and it was hard to be like, I feel safe. I had to watch my back every second, like, you know, looking over my shoulder all the time. You never know what's going to happen. Maybe it's not like a shooting or something like that, but violence was very prevalent in the schools where the beginning of every school year, the first week is 20 to 30 fights, minimum, if I'm being honest. After that, it's a fight every day to the end of the year. Like, that happens all the time. Fights are just bound to happen. And it's not even just because the amount of kids. I feel like there's just problems that people have outside of school that they bring into the school. So many people I started my freshman year with just end up getting expelled and kicked out of the school system completely because they caused so many problems. And, like, a few of these people ended up, like, dead or in jail or in prison, which is very sad to say, honestly. But like that was the kind of path they were on. And I, I hate to say that because it's like I wish these people could have got their education, could have did better for themselves. But they went down a path of not caring about anything, and it led to, like, really bad decisions and really bad things happening to them. And you could kind of tell who those kids were. And that's kind of why I personally did not feel safe at school. I knew what kind of people these were, and I knew that they didn't care about anything. These are people I used to hoop with, I used to hang around with all the time, but that doesn't mean I felt safe with them. It's like that was just part of going to school and being in the neighborhood with them. You know what I'm saying? Cecily, did you have these problems? Like with fights? Um, Like I said, we only had like two fights, and it was just like some stupid stuff. How many students? Um, we only have like 150 per class. So 500 maybe for the high school. Mm. Only two so it, it's a totally different world. Like my school is so small. Your schools are huge with so many. And like I had a question for you guys. What was your graduation rate? Rate? Mm. Yeah. Graduation rate? Um, I think ours was like 90%. 90? Yeah. That's pretty good. I was like in the 70s maybe. Maybe. What about it, I know at one point ours was like 50. <laughs> and you don't want to talk about my graduation. No, I do. <laughs> no, his graduation? Like the graduation. Oh, we're, we're, we're going to get there. Forget that. Like, there's no way that we miss so talking about your many, graduation. How many students start at your school and then end up graduating? Like, what's the rate? You can just do it like an average, too. I say 75. 75? What, what was yours, Cicely? I think ours was like 80, 90. Okay. So I feel like that's pretty normal. Um, so like, did everybody at your school know who didn't graduate? Yes. Okay. There, uh, I'm pretty sure that might have been too much of a number for you two gentlemen, Lou and Travell. Yeah, but like, my, my freshman year class was like 300 something. It ended up like 250 kids graduated or less than that maybe wow. graduated from our school. So there was a large amount of kids who just didn't even make it to senior year. They dropped out or they just stopped coming to school or Simply, they just couldn't make the requirements to finish school. Yeah, that's interesting because um, I think when my freshman year started, I think we had about 600 kids in our class, and I, I believe our number was 555. Mm. So even even with that many kids, it's like, yeah, we know who didn't graduate because from Maryville, I think, uh, I don't really know about Rensselaer's situation, but Maryville's situation is so unique because everyone goes to the same school after fifth grade so if you've mm -hmm. lived in Merrillville after 10 or 11 you you're most likely going to know everyone that you go to school with within some capacity obviously like you might not know them know them but like 
it's very rare that you will go from fifth grade to twelfth grade and not seeing almost every single student in your class at one point, uh, you know, within the building. So, you know, from ten to eighteen, it's like you you know everybody that's in that building, especially in your class, and it's like, oh, you didn't graduate, you didn't graduate, you didn't graduate. And it was kind of like a like a little joke amongst people who did graduate. Obviously, it's like, oh. The homie didn't graduate. <laughs> like, like we know the homie didn't graduate because he wasn't meeting the same requirements that we were supposed to. Mm-hmm. And this is like back in 2012 where you just couldn't like force every kid to graduate. I think that's a that's another phenomenal thing that I'm starting to experience or seeing. Like, kids can just graduate without having the requirements to graduate, and I think that is phenomenal. George Bush, um, <laughs> like that that's terrible. Like when I was in. Like, I can remember kids, like, in first grade flunking, like, because it's, like, you just didn't meet the requirements, and it was before, like, no child left behind. It's, like, you know, the, the kid is not reading the, the proper amount of sight words, and if you're not reading the proper amount of sight words, your kid is literally not allowed. It's not a choice. You know, it's not the parent can say, like, oh, we still want to kind of send them just so they can stay, you know, with their friends and stuff like that. It's, like, no, there were 100 sight words, and your kid only read, like, 50 of them, they're not allowed to go to the second grade. And that was it. And then after, you know, George Bush did the No Child Left Behind, which is one of the worst things that's ever happened, it's like, oh, yeah, your kid only had 100 sight words and only read 50. You have the option of allowing your child to stay or to go uh, or, you know, to stay put in the first grade or to go to the second grade. And then I also see kids, you know, rarely where it's like the parents don't feel comfortable sending their kids to the next grade because it's like I don't think they met the requirements that I had. I've like I've seen kids graduate from high school, and it's like you wouldn't have made it past ninth grade with the way we were doing stuff at Maryville, let alone graduating, you know, going to the next grade of ninth, tenth, eleventh, and then graduating from high school. And I think that's it's inappropriate to me. I don't. I don't think that's uh, responsible to allow a kid to go into the real world with such limited educational, you know, just boundaries. It's like you don't know enough education, in my in my in my opinion. Um, you know, I, I I believe education, at least through high school, is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say through high school because I didn't graduate. So if I would have graduated college I probably would have said through college but <laughs> I didn't graduate you know I didn't I didn't finish college but I I do have a high sense of value on the education system uh through high school and I do know there's a lot of flaws um, mm-hmm. I know there's tons and tons and tons of flaws I've been a teacher I know the stuff that it's like you know this is very important but we need them to learn this because that's what the government wants us to push and you know we're getting paid from the government in order to stay afloat so we need them to learn this and like you said when you were coming up in school there's like things that they just desperately focus on Mm -hmm. and it's like I can tell you the ins and outs of the Civil War but it's like does that really matter you know the ins and outs of the Civil War is that gonna really put you ahead in right. like, real life. Right. Like, I feel like we need more classes that will prepare us for our jobs and right. prepare us for life. Like, I think mental health should be a like, topic talked about more. I think, Just like, general it's, a job health, like it's, a, it's a class like that. It's called JAG. JAG? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we J- didn't have G-A- that. 
J-I-G. Yeah, yeah, I, I know about Jag, but that's still very niche-specific class that only a certain amount of kids can take it. So we had that at my high school, too. I think we need classes like modern politics and financial literacy and... Because I, I had to take, like, a finance class in college to learn all the basic stuff. I I know about finance, and I haven't even scratched services stuff, actually, about knowing about finance. Like, my dad's an accountant, and everything I learned about finance is just from him and asking him questions and picking his brain. It's very specific stuff you can't learn unless you read financial textbooks or right. learn a certain financial jargon that is needed to apply to real world. Modern politics is important because... You need to learn how the political sphere works, not just like the three branches of government, how the government works specifically, why they are important, and like what they're in place for, why our democracy is important in general. Yeah, we don't really have voting. that. Trey, what's the three voting, branches of government? Know. And like you said, personal finance. Everyone has to pay taxes. Yeah. Why aren't we taught that in school? Okay. All right. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. This is another chance for me as a Merovillian to... You guys didn't learn this stuff? Nah. Oh. I learned it at home. I learned it at home okay, from my so, cause you had Because you had a financial father. Yeah, my both of my parents work in finance. So I learned a lot about finances from them. They taught me a lot about like taxes and like uh, buying a house and a mortgage and financing a car. Things like that. Very simple stuff and then taxes and all that stuff. Yeah, they taught me about all that stuff. Shout out to my economics teacher because I definitely learned a lot of this. Um, so Cecily, like... We had classes like personal finance and econ, but they were only offered to the AP students, so not general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Maryville, you had to learn. You had to take economics. Like it wasn't no other option. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I know there were some courses like you can either learn this or that, this or that, but it was like economics was the only mm-hmm. thing that was on that board. It's like. Okay, so you got these, and then your fifth class is economics. Like, that was it. Like, there was no option. You couldn't remove it. You couldn't substitute it for study hall or anything like that. It's like economics had to be on that list. And that, man, this is amazing because it's like, and I, and I still say there was a lot of stuff in that economics class that wasn't taught to us, and I only believe it was because of the limitations that those, that my actual teacher just did not know. There's a lot of stuff in finances that that billionaires know mm-hmm. that a thousandaire won't, mm-hmm. uh, and that and those are things that are now being shared across TikTok. It's like, you know, these are the ways that you kind of beat some type of tax loops, and you know, these are the type mm-hmm. of things that you can do to to get more money and all of that. And it's like, billionaires knew that when I was in in school, but my teacher did not know that. And but it's 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 amazing to know that like, even. When I, when I was in seventh grade, like, we had a class. This is really going to show my age a little bit. Like, when in seventh grade, we had to learn how to balance a checkbook. Mm-hmm. And it was it was important to know in seventh grade, but I think by the time I was in tenth grade, just about everything had become strictly digital, in my life at least. So it's like you didn't have checkbooks. But even, like, in ninth grade, when I had a bank account, they gave me a checkbook. You know, it was like 2008, so they give you a checkbook, and it's like, you'll never use this. And that's exactly what they said to me. It's like, we know you'll never use this. Get the app. You know, everything is going to be done for you on the app. You're never going to have to balance a checkbook. But it's like, I know how to balance a checkbook. I know how to work a ledger. You know what a ledger is? No, sir. All right. You know what a ledger is? You ever heard of a ledger? Okay. So it's basically like a, like a, like a business 
book where you write all your finances down. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, like yeah, I have to. Find you have to like write it. every single thing down. That's a ledger. Like we learned how to do a ledger. We learned how to balance a checkbook. Like that was in seventh grade, and it's so amazing because like. I hear these stories. Like I, I'm, I'm not gonna stop saying that. I hear these stories, and it's like, man, Maryville really prepared me. Like, and I know a lot of people that I went to school with from Maryville. That's like, oh my God, schools did not prepare me for the real world. Schools did not prepare me for like economics and credit scores and all that blah blah blah. And it's like, I think it did. I really think it did. And I just think it was stuff that you weren't interested in because you did not believe that it was going to apply to you as mm-hmm. soon as it would 10 years later. Mm-hmm. But 10 years later, as a 16-year-old, is way down the line. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's so far away from the scope of what you might be thinking is going to happen to you. But it's like, I learned about CDs, and I learned, you know, compact deposits and stuff like that. Um, that's what the CD is. I learned about, how like, mortgages on houses and, like, having to put 3% or 5% down of a down payment on a house and stuff like that. I learned about IRAs, Roth IRAs in, in school. I got learned a lot about these things in school that I see kids was like, no, I had to figure it out the hard way. And even learning that, I still did not apply it. I will say, uh, I, I believe the education system doesn't have the best versions of applying what you learn to real life tactics so like you will learn how to balance the checkbook but I, I didn't know what that meant when I was you know 13 it was just like oh yeah I know that if I spend $75 and I started with $150 then I need to put that in my checkbook and know that I have $75 left to me that was just simple math um, so I didn't really know what it meant and, and of course I don't have to use it so but I, I just really, really find it interesting that, like, by the 12th grade, I knew what a credit score was. I knew what the importance of the credit score was. Like, my dad beat that into my head every day. My dad would literally wake me up and just go, 714, 714. And I'd be like, what the fuck is that, man? Like, why does he keep <laughs> saying that to me? 714, 714. And it's like, oh, that's a good credit score. Like, it's a good, you know, be- almost, you know, barely above average good, but it's a good credit score to start off with and, like, you know, now now that I'm dealing with credit as a 28-year-old and stuff like that, and I think I think the thing that I really wish my school would have prepared me for was the loan sharks at college, <laughs> like like the financial aid loan sharks is like if there's anybody listening to me that is in the 10th, 11th, 12th grade, or getting ready to start school maybe in the next couple of months. Please be careful talking to those financial aid ladies. They're going to try to get you to take that loan. And then whenever you finish school, whenever that last semester hits, you have six months. And they don't do anything for those six months. They just kind of make you think that the world is perfect. And you got your degree, nice expensive piece of paper that hasn't come in yet. And after that six-month period, they're going to start coming at you like, like, you, like you're a killer. And they're going to start asking for money. And then you're going to pay that money off. And after like 10 years, it's going to be at the same exact amount of money because of that interest rate that you signed up for when you were 18 years old. That's the scariest blank in the world because 
Me personally, I haven't I haven't even I haven't spent probably but like a thousand dollars on my financial aid loans because it's like I'm not going to. You can kill me before that. Like I'm not going to. <laughs> like they can whoever it is, Joe, Kamala, whoever's gotta come after me and kill me because I'm not paying those. <laughs> I'm not paying those. Whoever whoever's the financial boss, like we owe trillions of dollars to other people. You're not gonna get my my thirty thousand dollars. I'm not gonna do anything. So I got a question for everyone. Uh, Trent, how many uh, students from Maryville went off to college? All of them. Let me not say all of them, but like a lot of us. A lot of them. Um, I would say maybe upwards of like seventy percent of us went to school. Okay. Me personally, like I went to Indiana State. And me and my friend were just talking about this. He he was accepted into Indiana State his junior year of high school. And at the time, our junior year, you know, there's not a lot of people looking for schools and stuff like that. And he went to Indiana State, which is kind of like the little brother school of the Indiana schools, kind of. It's like, mm -hmm. it's not IU, it's not Purdue, it's not Butler, it's not Notre Dame. It's not these schools that you kind of hear a lot about, like especially with the sports and stuff like that. It's like, oh, you went to Indiana State. You're broke. You're poor, and it's you know. It's, but when when we all went to Indiana State that freshman year, it's like, oh, it's like thirty of us here. Like there was a lot of us from Maryville at Indiana State to the point where mm -hmm. it was like we basically called it like Maryville High School again. It felt like Boy Meets World. <laughs> y'all know what that is, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it felt like Boy Meets World. It's like, oh yeah, we've known each other since fifth grade, and you know we went through high school together. We got all these memories, and it's like, boom. Hey, we're here in college again. That's awesome. And then, so yeah, it was it was a lot of us that that went off to college and stuff like that. What about you, Lou? How many? Uh, so my graduating class was like two fifty, two sixty, maybe twenty of us went to college. Uh -huh. Maybe. Wow. Maybe twenty to thirty of us went to college out of like two sixty. Yeah. I would say about thirty percent for mine. Um, what about you, Trey? How many students went to college from West Side? In my group, it was like. Seven people that went to college that I know of. So family. you know seven people. Yeah. That went to college. Two, no, three of them go to the same college. I think that's man. That's yeah. Out of my high school, like ten percent of the graduating class maybe went to college. I knew everybody who went to college because like I had classes with all of these people. Like re real close to most of the people that went to college. If I'm being honest, I was in like all the honors and AP classes, and those are most of the people who end up going went going to college from my high school. If I'm being honest, he was valedictorian. I wasn't. I was, I was like five or six in my class. Oh, so you were top ten percent. Yeah, I was top. You're, that's pretty nice. Yeah, probably was, like top one percent. Yeah, two percent or something like that. That's yeah. pretty dope. That's pretty dope. I was literally like fifty percent, like top. Like I was like. I was as I was as middle of the road of a kid as I could be. Smart as a whip. I'm one of the smartest people you'll ever know. Toot my own horn. I don't <laughs> care about tests and stuff like that. Like I could answer all type of questions. I can research the hell out of anything, but it was like you put that sheet of paper in front of me or you, you try to give me some homework. homework was really my thing. Like I didn't like homework. Did y'all uh, do homework? In school? Like once I reached high school, did y'all do homework? I didn't get it a lot, but if I had it I would do it. I was um, I was the type of kid that would, and I think I've told you both this, but like, I would calculate my grade based off of the percentages of how everything was weighed. So I would find out what grades I would have to get on my first two tests or exams, so that I can just get a C in the class. 
And typically it was like I had to get like a 99, 100% on the first two, and I could literally do nothing for the rest of the class and still get a C because of you know, how stuff was weighed. And that's what I always did. Like I always, always did that. And I remember doing it in the actual statistics class where you know it was all about statistics and weight and different variations and stuff like that. And someone brought it up to the attention of, the, uh, of our teachers like, why does he get to sleep in class every single day? And, you know, we're up working all hard, and someone was like, the teacher said he figured out, like, what to do in order to get a C, and he presented it to me one day, and I thought that was impressive enough to leave him alone because it's clear <laughs> that I know statistics. I know math really well, so I don't really need to pay attention as long as I get these two A's. I do a little bit of my homework. I'm going to go to sleep for the rest of the day. And she was like, well, and he he talks a lot, so if he's sleep, like just let him sleep. He's not going to talk to you. He's not going to disturb your class. A lot of y'all need to know what he knows. So, hmm. well, I gotta ask you, sisterly, like, why do you think not a lot of kids from your high school went to college? Oh, um, definitely because it's a farming community. So a lot of hmm. people take over their family farms and go into like trade schools. And that's kind of dope, though. Yeah, and like that's awesome. Why well, no? Talking from my high school, it's just that education really wasn't a uh, focus. Yeah. It's really, Priority. nobody really cared, you know? Like, That's honestly. Basketball town, right? Y'all care a lot about hooping. Yeah, a lot about basketball, a lot about sports, but, like, college is secondary, you know what I'm saying? Being a student is secondary to, like, being cool or being an athlete. Mm -hmm. That's just how I was. I was an athlete. I was a basketball player, so... I knew that firsthand, but my parents always preach education first. I was expected to go to college. I was expected to get my degree. That's why I'm here now. And I couldn't see it any other way. But for a lot of kids, their parents didn't care if they go to college. They just care if they get their high school diploma or not. Right. And they can get a job and something like that after. What I learned that was very interesting, I actually learned this in high school, is that Maybe this, no, this is my freshman year of college. I learned that getting a bachelor's degree, you make a million dollars more over a lifetime than somebody with just a high school diploma, which I thought was one of the craziest statistics I had ever seen. Like, you make that much more money over a lifetime than somebody who doesn't have, a like, a bachelor's degree, just a bachelor's degree at that. And that really made me think, like, I need to get my degree because it is a different level of security, even if it's not in something that's super crazy, like engineering or something like that. Mm -hmm. Having a degree is just important because it opens the world up to more opportunities for you. I believe at my high school, that wasn't really preached to kids like that. That, right. that wasn't a thought process. I mean, people thought about making money, but it was never in a way of working for someone or building your way up in a corporation and eventually getting an executive position. It was more so in a fast kind of way. You want to you wanna make money, you you sell drugs here, you do this there. It was that kind of thing. Not more so like you can work with other people and make money. You can go to college for four years and you might be broke for four years, but after those four years, you might get an opportunity to make forty or 50000 coming out and then eventually can make sixty, seventy, eighty thousand. 80000 like as you get more experience. Just with a bachelor's degree, if you get a master's, you can make upwards of over six figures and over. Right. So there's a lot of opportunity in education, especially for kids that look like me or anybody out there. It's just, it's not presented well within schools, I think, and it's not a focus from a point of view of the home life of these kids in general. So I got a quick comment. Um, 
Sicily and, and Trey, you all know me to be an ultra, ultra competitive person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was always stats like that that always drove me. Um, he said, like, the, the students who get a bachelor's degree make over a million dollars more. So I didn't graduate, like I said. Mm-hmm. And when I heard him say that, I was like, yeah, I got to make a million dollars more than the, than the bachelor's <laughs> student. Like, it was so <laughs> crazy. It was like, man, I can't. There's no way I'm going to let a bachelor's student make more than a million dollars more than me. Like, I can't. And I think um, that's probably where I I always consider myself different from, like, the next kid. Because I always talk about how, like, Melvin had such a great educational system. But it was, I think a lot of this does go to personally just the kids that you deal with. It's like, Mm -hmm. there are some kids who are just hungry to learn. They yearn for success. They yearn for knowledge. They yearn to be better than, you know, what they were. And then there are some kids who are just like, you know, it's not for me. There's there's other things mm-hmm. that I want to do. But, like, me personally, everything was a competition. Everything was a competition. So when you said that, it was like I immediately started thinking, like, okay, well, how do I make how do I make $100,000 next year? Because I don't like the, what he just said to me. Because, <laughs> like. I felt I felt so challenged. I felt so uh, I don't want to say belittled because it was it was my reason why I didn't finish college. But it was like I didn't like that. I didn't like that. But like that, that I mean that drive though that's important though right. that you even got that in general. Cause right. A lot of people hear that stat and they just throw it away and they just don't care. Right. They don't store it in their mind and think like man maybe people with bachelor's degrees do make a million dollars more. But I ain't gonna beat them people with the high school diplomas who don't make as much as the people with the bachelor's degrees. Right. I can make more than people with the bachelor's degrees if I really put my mind to it. So that mentality even is just different than I think the average person to some extent. Yeah, People don't really care about that stat like that. I think it's an amazing statistic and it shows how college education does lead to some sort of financial stability in general if you put in the work for it. Mm-hmm. And I think like the way you even looked at it and framed that, it's like I think it's super impressive and I think it's super great to think about anything like that. Cause I, I'm a very competitive person too, I'm not going to lie. And when I hear stuff like that, it's like, okay, yeah, like, I want to prove that wrong. I want to be the person who goes outside of that. So I can definitely appreciate that. You know, and I think um, when I, like, when I talk, I kind of, that was, like I said, I'm ultra competitive. So that was always my way of trying to get anyone engaged was like, let's make this a competition. Let's see who's the best. Let's see who's, you know, and I do realize that there are, cons to doing that because there are some kids like I said who just don't care so they kind of feel bad and I and I always try to make sure that we found something for every kid to make themselves feel good about it but um I think I think the adults have to do something that makes kids want to do something you know um no matter what it is like you just you just have to want to and I will say um it's kind of like a pivot, but like I hope I I stay on track and you guys follow what I'm saying. Like when I was graduating, it was kind of shunned. You you didn't go to school for art of mm-hmm. of any sort. So you didn't go to school for drawing. You didn't go to school for photography. You didn't go to school for painting. You didn't go to school for musical art. You didn't go to school for uh, communications. Was starting to get popular, but like you didn't go to school for it yet. And now it's like, 
oh yeah, you go to art school over in Chicago, or you can go to art school somewhere in New York or L.A., or you can you can go to school for modeling, you can go to school for lighting, you can go to school for communications. Like when I was in college, like I, after I had started college, it was kind of like you start hearing kids go like, oh no, I, I'm I'm majoring in communications, and it's like, man, I really wish that like that was okay when I was a senior in high school because it was like you don't go to school for arts because arts isn't going to pay you. And I was like, oh, man, he's right. This 38-year-old teacher is right. There's no way that anyone is going to pay me for photography. And then it was like, I was, that was the dumbest thing I'd ever said. First of all, my father was a photographer, so I don't even know how I could let someone skew my, my thought process in that manner. And that was, um, I think it's important that you have to really watch what you say to these kids whose thought processes are literally molded off of what they hear from these adults for eight hours. So if you tell a kid, like, no, don't go to school for that, man. Even if that's your passion, don't go to school for your passion. Like, I, I used to hear that so much when I was in high school. It's like, you don't go to school for your passion. You go to school for something else. Okay. You, you kind of fall back on your passions. And, like, I see kids now who go to school or went to school for photography, and it's like, Holy crap, man. I could have went to school for photography and been in a completely different ballpark than I am right now. Uh, and I don't regret it because I don't. I try not to regret things. But I do wish that I had that teacher or I had a couple teachers or, you know, a mentor or something who would have told me, go to, go to Chicago for photography. You'll, you'll love it, you mm -hmm. know, because you know it. I know photography. I knew photography at that point, like the back of my hand. I, I grew up in that area for a long time and you know if, if there's anyone out there listening that's thinking about going to school for anything arts related communications photography drawing <laughs> painting any of it go to school for it because you're going to you're going to love it um and it's something that you're good at and something that you're passionate about and as long as you stay passionate about it and you don't fall into the trap of only doing it for financial gains then you're first of all you'll never feel like you're working a day in your life you know I I, I, I shoot photography with as my main source of income and my nine to five is actually my side source of income and I I can't wait for the weekdays to be over so that I can go take pictures of stuff oh. pictures of people pictures of events and all of that because it's like that's my passion yeah you're right it is very discouraged to go to school for arts is it specifically, still yes, it's incredibly because I wasn't. I'm a communications major now. Me okay. and Sicily, both communication That's majors. What well, coming into school, my dad told me like I wanted to be a journalist at first, and my dad was like, "Why would you want to do that? They don't make any money." And mm. Journalism is a very res well respected job. Like I, I, I know that for a fact. Like journalists are looked at as people who are very highly respected, highly sought after, mm -hmm. looked at. It's just great people in general. They might not make a bunch of money at first, but I was like, well, if I'm good at it, then what would it matter? But he told right. me, like, well, how about you just go and you major in business? So I came here, and I was a business major at first. And How many semesters were you a business major? Two semesters. I was only a business major my first year. What happened was I took a public speaking class, and I loved communication theory. Right. And I really enjoyed talking about communication theory, what it's like to talk to people, what it means to talk to people, how people communicate, how people look at messages, how they can be interpreted. And I was like, I love this. 
this is really what I want to do. That's how I got into podcasting. That's how I got into working with with our club. That's how I got to work with Sicily. Just working with people, learning how to talk to people, going through like the ability to connect with people, get people to see your point of view and how to persuade people. I was very passionate about that. And I always was, actually. It's just I was discouraged to go to school for something like that because people with no jobs, they don't always make the greatest amount of money at first. My dad was like, why don't you go to school for business? Because he went to school. He was an accountant, obviously. You know, Accountants make some decent money. Right. And it was hard because arts were definitely discouraged from a very young age. At one point in my life, I thought about going to school for psychology. And when I told my dad that, too, he's just like, why would you go to school for that? It's like, it's, they don't make a whole bunch of money. If they, and if you do want to make a bunch of money, you're going to have to go to school for a long time. And I had to be in, like, eighth or ninth grade when this happened. And it like, killed my dream of even wanting mm-hmm. to do that. Even though I loved the idea of psychology and connecting with people in the mind and how people work, that's what I've always been into. That's what I'm still into now. It took me a very long time to just accept that I have to go into school for what I believe will fit for me instead of trying to find a job that makes the most money. Because at a certain point, you have to give up. Maybe you don't have to give up financials to be happy. It's more so like, you have to find what works for you. Right. Making a bunch of money doesn't work for everybody else. You can make $50,000 a year and be fine and be happy and be cool. You don't have to make 100 k to be happy. Sure, 100 k is better. You can buy more stuff, but is that going to substitute the feeling you get when you get to go to work and do something you love? No, I don't think so. So I do also tell people, if you want to go to school and be an artist, go be an artist. Go be a graphic designer. Go right. be somebody who draws. Go be somebody who paints. Do all that stuff. Even now, like, be somebody who likes to edit, like, software or pictures or do all that stuff because we need those people in the world. Right. Those people might not make the most money at first, but they still end up making more money than somebody who doesn't have a degree or doesn't have education at all. Mm-hmm. And it's incredibly important that you just go do what you want, whatever it is. Even with photography, you could go to school and get so many connections from right working with people who already been in the industry right so it's very important to just find those people who've done what you wanted to do and just connect with them and find the opportunity to work with other people through them that's it like okay i got a i got a quick question for you lou mm-hmm. uh you said you were big into psychology i am too mm-hmm. uh, what's your favorite psychological trick within communication uh, my favorite psychological trick within communications mm. i gotta really think about it i can i guess i could tell you like one of my favorite communication theories is um contingency theory which is the idea that you react to what the public says about you or your business or your organization and a big reason i like that is because a company can respond the same way but depending on the type of company it is you get more or less backlash because of it and i really like that because it really shows that like your reputation, your image, your perception, it matters a lot. And right. on the individual level, I've learned that it really works like that too. If you're a jerk to somebody a hundred times and then <laughs> something bad happens to you, they're way less likely to help you. Right. But if you're just not even nice, if you're just decent to people, you're okay, you don't mess up, and something bad happens to you, people are way more likely to help you. If you can, like just little small things like that, like I'm really into that. So my biggest one is uh, when I'm talking to people that I don't know, mm-hmm. I don't respond. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so it's, it's it's a great trick that um, 
if you want to know something about somebody, you don't respond to a lot of stuff, and they'll just keep talking. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because it's like they'll just people subconsciously don't like dead airspace. So if if it's me and you talking, and you've been let's say you've been talking for like a minute or two minutes, and I don't respond to anything, you'll feel subconscious and just go. I got to talk about something else because there's just dead air in the room mm-hmm. and I don't like that dead air in the room because one, it makes you feel like I don't care about what you're telling me and mm-hmm. now you're fishing to try to get something to tell me that I care about. So you'll just keep talking. That's one of my favorite things to do to people. Mm-hmm. One more question for Trey. Mm-hmm. Um, I want you to talk a little bit about uh, your graduation. I had one of the worst graduations of like ever. They shot my graduation though. During the graduation, it was going good until we hear a lot of commotion in the like the background. So we look, it's a fight happening, and so it chilled down, and then another fight started. But my, well, we kept going with the graduation. So the graduation over with, we taking pictures outside. And next thing you know, we had gunshots, and I'm like, bro. So like, I think like two of our my graduates like was in the shootout. I guess they took off their stuff and like got to shooting and stuff like that, and then. But my overall, my graduation was cool. The graduation practice was cool. We have to come back one day and talk about how often Travel tells some of the most traumatic stories and then follows it up with, although it was cool. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it was cool, though. It was cool. Like, <coughs> That's not cool. Walking, the, I'm saying, like, walking the stage was cool. Yeah, but, like, but overall, it's but like. But you shouldn't have had to worry about that. Like, that should have not happened. I mean, what, what's the word? Is it a. Carpomentalized, I think that's the yeah. word. Yeah. But it's West Side because they shout out what yeah, when but when even if football game. You're like, cares? oh, that's just West Side. Like that that's still not You're happy. you're desensitized yeah. to violence essentially is what they, you're telling they me. They shout out the prom too, like it's, it goes right back to that contingency thing that you were saying that's mm-hmm. like he just accepts that from West Side and it's like Yeah. And, and it's if okay. that happened at Rensselaer, that would that would probably be news. No, it would make national news. But like for West Side, it's like, dang, they shot up the graduation. Just everyday thing. They shot up the football game. I was talking to my coworker about this. I was like, Northwest Indiana does not have any news station. Like no big affiliate of like ABC, NBC. We just get Chicago. Yeah. But Chicago doesn't cover anything for Northwest Indiana. Like it's like one percent maybe. If there's a shooting in Gary, they turn away they they could hear about it but they're not gonna report on it they only report on the stuff that's like really big like right. the thing that happened at that club i don't, I don't know if y'all remember this uh-huh yeah. like that was the one thing they report on probably the whole like summer from gary right yeah. like, that's it yeah it's um it's always been like that too like mm-hmm. we we've always been so connected with chicago's news and it's like well you know chicago's got six million people and six million problems so it's like you're definitely going to get Chicago sports, Chicago's news, Chicago's politics. And it's mm-hmm. like, even like during the political season, you see all these politicians and stuff. And it's like, hey, who do I vote for? And it's like, oh, no, these are all Illinois politicians. You have nothing to worry about. And it's like, no, who do I vote for? Like, <laughs> I don't think you understand the fact that, like, I haven't seen any Gary political news yet. Like, I, mean, I know it's mm-hmm. over, but it's like, if if you go into those voting polls and it's like, the, the, it was always my favorite thing to say is like, who's the recorder and what do they do? And my uncle was the recorder, like, like, and that's always why I say it. it's like, I know who the recorder is because my uncle was the recorder or he ran for the recorder. But mm-hmm. I, I, I could not tell you what they do, 
before he made it known that he was the recorder and, and I was his family member. Mm. So there's so many like jobs within politics where it's like, I don't even know what I'm voting for. Mm. And we talked about that at the beginning. It's like just a, a education on politics and what's going on. What am I voting for? What are these different things that I'm putting my votes towards that people have fought for for me to vote? And it's like, uh, I like the way his name sounds. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because that's the way a lot of people, that's a lot of people. Or I know him. Know. Right, I know him. Mm -hmm. I know him. I have no idea what his stance is, but he's my uncle. So if my grandma found out I didn't vote for uncle, like, that's his nephew. You yeah. Know? Like, I, I got to vote for my grandma nephew. Like, that's the way stuff kind of goes. I did have one more question. So Gary has a bad reputation, and there's a lot of people who are scared of Gary. What do you want to tell those people? Trey, I, <laughs> just don't say it's cool. That's yeah. um, so I do work for um, City Hall, um, and I am seeing a lot of things turn around um, from the inside. And I do believe that uh, the administration that's currently in office, and the one that was uh, just in office um, back in you know 2019 and stuff like that, there there are a lot of things that they are trying to uh, push to make Gary a safer place, uh, a place of tourism. Uh, you know, they, they put the the house, Michael Jackson's house is now like a tourism spot and stuff like that. Um, so I do believe that my, my, my hope is that in 15 years, you'll be able to see Gary as a more of a Tory spot, you know, just a place where it's like, Oh, we can go see Michael Jackson's house and what you know what the Jackson Five were, and then we can go to a Railcats game, and then we can get a hot dog, and then you know then we can go to Chicago or something like that. And it's like you know if you're coming from somewhere east, you you stop by Gary uh, for a little bit, you know, an hour, two hours, and then you go to Chicago or the other way around. You know, if you're going out east, you stop by Gary before you go to South Bend or something like that. I do believe um, right now. Like IUN to me is like a safe haven. It's definitely like the it's like the clean area and a dirty living room. Um, it there is, and it's just being honest. There is a lot of um, stuff that happens, and it's like okay, you do need to be careful. You don't want to just walk three blocks north or south of IUN and thinking that it's okay because there's a lot of dangerous stuff that could happen. And and the same thing is like if you're on Fifth Avenue and it's like. Don't go left or right too far because, you know, there are people just waiting to kind of check you. Um, but I do believe that there's a change that's going to be coming soon that's going to flip the mentality of the way that we kind of behave in this city. Um, mm -hmm. And you've seen stuff like that happen recently in Detroit. Um, I don't know if anybody's been to Detroit twice in the last 20 years. And I say that because it's like I can remember going as a kid and it's like, oh my God, Detroit is dangerous as hell. It's like I got family up there. Yeah, I know like, exactly what yeah, you're it's talking about. Like don't about. go to Detroit. Like in, in two thousand you don't just go to Detroit because it's dangerous. Like you might go see a Pistons game or you might go see the Tigers play, but then you get the hell out of Dodge. Get it. Dodge. <laughs> get it. Um but now you can go to Detroit and they've they've changed tremendously. Like they've made a lot of changes within that city where it's like Oh, it's back to being a touristy st uh, spot, like, and and I I do believe that um, not only is Gary in that in that path, but I believe they're following 
specifically from cities like Atlanta and Detroit, where it's like we see them kind of turn that image around of being this dangerous place, and now it's more of a touristy place, and that's what Gary wants to go back to being like it was in the 50s. So um, to those listening, uh, just stay tuned for Gary. I, I promise you there's a lot in store for what they have to offer. Thanks for coming on. Um, you were talking about your photography. Um, is there any place people can go and see your stuff? It's amazing, by the way, if you need a photographer. Thank you, guy. thank you. Uh, Instagram and Facebook at Trent Turner Photography. No underscores, none of that. T-R-E-N-T-T-U-R-N-E-R-P-H-O-T-O-G-R-A-P-H-Y. Photography is a hard word. <laughs>